Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. This is episode number 94. Well, today we have a packed show for you. We are speaking with Jonathan Wilder, who is an expert in all things water and steam. So let's not waste any time and let's get to it. Dr. Wilder has worked with all thermal and chemical sterilization methods applied to healthcare, as well as cleaning and disinfection methodologies, bringing his background in physical chemistry and surface physics to bear upon difficult problems in the field. He has been an active participant in the U.S. and international standards development since 1998 through AMI. He holds a Ph.D. in physical chemistry and did postdoctoral work in the analysis of chemical effects on the surface of materials, which includes corrosion. He also holds an MBA in technology management and strategy. Well, Jonathan, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me, John. I much appreciate it. It's, uh, it's always good to talk to the people who do the real work, the SPD community. So can you talk a little bit about your background and how your background relates to sterile processing? Sure. Thank you for the question. Um, I've been in the industry since 1990. I started in research and development uh, for one of the major uh, sterilizer and washer manufacturers in the United States at that time, uh, which was subsequently acquired by Gettinger. And I have been uh, independent since 1997 started a company then and uh, did some work on the um, more on the industrial side uh, validation equipment and then about 15 plus years ago uh, started to move my focus to the actual as I said the people who do the real work the folks in SPD uh, trying to help out with uh, steam and water issues to make sure that that you don't have problems when you're running a cycle and you, and you avoid the um, the call you never want to get, which is the, the OR saying, what did you send us? I have an academic background in physical chemistry and uh, also uh, postdoc in surface physics. And I apply these, the skills that I learned and uh, analytical techniques that I learned in, the, in that world uh, to the problems in sterile processing. So it's a, it's a little different from what most people do, but it seems to work. So. One of my most frustrating situations in sterile processing is when there's a wet pack or load, and I know many of our listeners have these same issues. Now, sometimes a problem is related to operator error, you know, like improper load configuration, or maybe it's just a, a door gasket seal has come out, right? And these are issues that most sterile processing folks, most of our listeners are really familiar with, but sometimes the issue is much more involved. And for me, that really equates to Anything that happens beyond the face, that front of the sterilizer, anything beyond that, you know, it, it gets a little murky for me, right? So can you talk about some of the issues from your experience that can cause wet packs that are really just more involved than just that simple gasket seal? Sure. I'm going to try to keep the, the nerd aspect of this little discourse down, but <laughs> basically you're looking at uh, 
You're looking at situations that should be never events. You should not have wet loads, and a properly designed system that is maintained should not have wet loads. This extends out to you should not have to have extended dry times because most of the time extended dry times are the result of wet loads or slightly wet loads or things just not quite going right. So from the engineering side, you can say that there is there are about five major contributors to uh, wet loads, which would be a poor steam, poor steam system design, which I see entirely too often. Uh, the uh, corollary to that would be lack of uh, lack of insulation or insufficient insulation on the steam piping, which makes for very, very hot working conditions for me. So I really don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, if you have engineering controls in the steam system, like filters and separators and steam traps, these things have to be maintained. And uh, sometimes they're not. And that will inevitably lead to problems for the uh, sterile processing users. So we're now up to number four, going back to the boiler room or to the boiler, wherever it may be. If they don't put in the right amount and a repeatable amount of the boiler feed water additives, the, the chemistry that is added to the boiler feed water to make house steam be dry for one, does not leave stains for two, and um, not attack the plumbing for three, if that's not properly regulated, then uh, you will have problems. Uh, you can get all sorts of brown staining, or you can get wet loads, or you can. There are a number of things that can come out of that. None of them are anything that you want to have happen in your yeah. SPD. And finally, in the drying phase, the you may get down to the base pressure, uh, the minimum pressure that you're supposed to get down to, but how you get there matters. If your vacuum system is, is fighting really hard to get down to that uh, pressure, you're not going to get effective drying. You need to be down there quick and have solid pumping speed at that. And so that's one of the contributors to uh, wet loads. So you mentioned filters and separators and steam traps. And what are these type of devices, conditioners, separators? What do these things do when they are put in place? And are they really necessary? I'll take the second part of that question first. Yes, okay. they are necessary. Uh, if you don't have proper engineering controls of your steam, like a filter, like a separator, like a steam trap, like, like a pressure regulator, so that you have steam in the same condition coming to the sterilizer pretty much at all times, uh, you are going to have variable results. Uh, you have to, it's a process, you have to control it. It's, uh, I, I'm renovating my house, that's also a process. I'm not sure if that's, uh, <laughs> that's ever going to be controlled. <laughs> it's a different story though. People's lives aren't at stake or productivity isn't at stake. Um, or people aren't open on the table relative to my house. What these do, uh, just to go through them in order, uh, steam traps, which are the, uh, I just put a thing up on, uh, on LinkedIn last week about steam traps being the last line of defense against wet loads. What steam traps do is, uh, if uh, condensate, in other words, water, uh, collects on top of the steam trap or adjacent to the steam trap in contact with the steam trap, the steam trap will open and let that water escape until the steam comes comes in contact with the the temperature sensitive element of the steam trap, which then closes. Uh, what this does is it gets rid of the wet wetness and allows the um, the the contents of the uh, 
of the line, the steam line, to be steam and not water. Uh, you, if we could sterilize with water, it'd be a lot easier. But it's a terrible sterilant. It's about one. It doesn't have anywhere near the sterilizing capability, the lethality of steam. So uh, we need it to go away, and then otherwise you get wet loads. Steam separators, which are usually the next thing, and these are the things that are best known to steam fitters. So they're always what's suggested. I'm not a big fan, but actually used correctly, I am a big fan. If they're used exclusively, uh, you may not get to where you want to go, which is a reliably dry load. There are two types of steam separators. One is called cyclonic. In other words, it spins like a tornado inside, and the steam slings the water out to the, uh, the condensate out to the to the body of the steam separator, and the steam itself goes through. And this is a great thing if you have continuous flow, but sterilizers are on off, on off, on off as far as the flow to the sterilizer. So by the time you get the flow started, it stops again and there's no cyclonic effect. Uh, and so they're not very effective. The type of steam separators that I do like are the ones that are um, Chevron style. In other words, they have a, a series of blockages inside of them, which uh, the steam hits the blockage, the water falls down, thank you gravity, and uh, the steam gets through and the water goes to a steam trap at the bottom of the separator. Those are pretty good. But for me, the best is a steam filter, and there are two kinds of steam filters. One is one that has a microporous, usually stainless steel element that will, like uh, like Gore-Tex in, a, in a, you know, an expensive uh, uh, outdoorsy coat, keep the water out uh, and let the vapor through so, so it breathes. You don't, uh, it's microporous and it will allow the steam through, but not uh, anything larger than whatever the pore size is. Those are great, but if you're trying to get rid of some extra chemistry, as I talked about the boiler chemistry, one manufacturer, and I'm not gonna go commercial here, but you can alter your homework uh, if you're having these problems or call me. Uh, one manufacturer has a uh, steam filter that uses a replaceable element that does stop extra chemistry from getting through. It's, there's only one that traps the kit. The additional chemistry lets steam through as well. Steam filters get down to a, a, a sub-micron level of, of keeping the, or a micron level of keeping droplets of uh, condensate from getting through. Um, uh, separators are uh, on a larger scale than that, so you can still get some through. And steam traps are involved in all of them because on the bottom of every separator or steam filter, you will find a steam trap, and you should also find steam traps on the inlets to your sterilizers. So we talked a little bit about wet steam, so can you just review what is wet steam? And then how would somebody working in sterile processing know that they have wet steam? Okay, so wet steam is, you know, everybody says, well, it's water. Of course it's wet. Well, no. We're supposed to be using stat saturated steam. Saturated steam means it's all water vapor if you're 100% saturated and no uh, air and no, um, no uh, liquid water, no condensate. How do you know that you have this? Well, if you find that you have to suddenly start extending dry times or cracking the door, don't get me started on that one. Uh, to at the end of uh, at the end of cycles to make sure you don't have wet loads, then you probably have wet steam. 
and there are a number of reasons for this. One, as I mentioned earlier, is poor maintenance of steam traps especially. They, they need to be maintained because uh, they're the way the water gets out. Or if you have a change in temperature on the vacuum pump water or something along those lines, how do you know? Well, those are the telltales that you have things change relative to not having a wet load. How do you know? I have a competitor. He's very good. I do, I do those measurements. Uh, I believe Steris and Gettinga are starting to do those measurements. It's uh, becoming a more, you know, a bigger market marketplace for, you know, for the customer, which is good, because then you have the ability to not wait for, you know, two lone wolves uh, or two or three lone wolves in the industry, myself and my competitor, and a couple of other folks to be available. Some of us have been working for a long time in this area. Some of us have not. So. It's one thing to measure the, the wetness of the steam or the dryness of the steam. It's another thing to tell you how to fix it, if it's gotcha. not where it should be. Um, another way you would know is, uh, just looking at my notes here, is that uh, some of the manufacturers of Bowie Dick, uh, traditional Bowie Dick test packs, have images in their, uh, in their diagnostics or their uh, instructions for use that show you what what happens when steam is wet to the Bowie Dick, and that, that's a, a, a nice indicator right there as well. Uh, it's a visual indicator, and you don't have to wait for uh, for the load to come out wet because you'll start to see that sooner rather than later. So, if somebody's having an issue, or if I'm having an issue with a sterilizer, at what point do I need to involve hospital engineering or facility team or or somebody else to help out? I would say yesterday. You, you rule out human error, you make sure there were no loading issues, there were somebody didn't put a basin in upside down or, you know, facing up or something like that. And, uh, um, and make sure that the utilities haven't changed, make sure that the maintenance has been done, make sure that, again, my favorite two words, steam traps, or at least for the next period of this, this talk, have been maintained properly and are working. And that's a pretty easy measurement. You can make that measurement yourself with your, uh, if you have an infrared thermometer, the inlet side of the steam trap should be very hot and the outlet side should be less than, um, less than the boiling point at, uh, under local conditions. So under 212 degrees, but the inlet side should be up at least at, uh, somewhere above sterilization temperature, whatever you're running at. Uh, so that's an easy measurement for you folks to do in the field. And then you can say, my steam trap isn't working. So you, you can help them, uh, help your repair facilities uh, along the way to getting back to a good place. So you did mention this earlier, and, and I get this question pretty frequently, and that is, is it necessary to crack the sterilizer door open and leave the completed load sitting in the sterilizer? Does this help with drying of the load and prevent wet packs or wet loads? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a break point between actual drying phase and what happens afterwards. If you have to crack the door, the drying phase didn't happen correctly for whatever reason. As I mentioned, it could be some, an issue with the vacuum pump or the vacuum uh, system. It could be um, an issue with a leaky steam valve uh, to the chamber. There, there are a number of things it could be. But if you have to do this, uh, something's wrong. It should not be uh, an issue. The, the drying phase for most steam sterilizers has been pretty much the same for the past 
40 years now. And so people saying, well, now Steris or now getting or now Bellamet or now whoever says we don't have to do this anymore. It means it wasn't happening right in the first place if you had to do it before. Yeah, sure, it's going to dry. I mean, you're, you're baking it in a 200 some odd degree uh, oven with uh, some air exchanges. On the other hand, if you have a wet sterile barrier, you have no sterile barrier. Now, I know the likelihood of a pathogen finding its way through a sterile processing <laughs> to, to find the one wet spot or the wet spots on the load and going in there and getting onto a, an instrument is very low, but it's not zero. And since we work in a, in a world of worst case scenarios and as a standard point of departure, um, we really don't want to allow that to happen. So you're much better off, as much as I hate to say this, extending the drying phase and not cracking the door. Uh, it does not really help anything that much. The amount of time you spend with the door cracked, you could be running the drying phase, you know, half as much or even that much longer and be in, and be in a better place. Because when the air comes into the chamber at the end of the drying phase, it's through a, sterile, a sterilizing filter, right? a, a bacterially retentive filter. So you're not putting any bugs in there. Whereas if you open the door, you could be. Hey, let's pause our conversation for just a second. Are you looking to get a CE for this episode? Well, you are in the right place. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, log on to the MyHSPA website, and make sure you use the code STEAMTRAP. Again, the code for this episode is STEAMTRAP. Now, let's get back to our conversation. So we talked a little bit, you just talked a little bit about drying and then uh -huh. drying cycle and adding more time. At what point does adding more dry time to that drying cycle just mask some other underlying issues? The usual conversation on this is that, well, the manufacturers validated their dry time for, for one instrument. So if you have an IFU that says uh, the dry time is 20 minutes and you can't get the load dry in 20 minutes, it doesn't mean they're wrong and it doesn't mean you're wrong. It means that when they did the validation, it, the manufacturer of the instrument was probably running just the one instrument and uh, there you are. So you have, you know, they're going to be able to get it quicker, get it done quicker. Um, okay. On the other hand, if the sterilizer is FDA cleared, it complies with Amy ST8 and Amy ST8 has uh, dry time. Uh, you have to validate the dry time for the sterilizer and you have to validate the dry time with a whole bunch of metal, of, uh, metal in the chamber as your simulated load. And so if the manufacturer of the sterilizer can tell you, you can, you can get a 25 minute dry time, for example, I'm pulling that number out of thin air, then uh, they did and they did it with a big load. And the FDA has the data on this and it was proved to the satisfaction of the FDA. FDA is not an easy uh, audience. I can tell you that from personal experience. So uh, the the dry times have been validated. Again, if things go wrong, there may be problems with vacuum. There may be problems with wet steam because if you are trying to pull excessive water out of the load because the steam was wet and left it there, that's, uh, I, I suggest that uh, for entertainment, you get a shop vac and try to vacuum water off the floor. It can be done, but it takes a long time. 
So here's kind of another situation that sterile processing folks deal with when there's steam issues, and that's the sterilizer repair vendor will say, you know, there's nothing wrong with the sterilizer. There must be an issue with the steam lines or the boiler. But then you have facilities, your hospital facilities team saying, you know, there's nothing on our end. It's not the boiler. It's not the steam line. So we have sterile processing caught in the middle trying to figure out from, from people who know. So what is your advice on how a leader in sterile processing would handle a situation like this? I lived in Rochester, New York for 25 years. I know this doesn't sound like the answer to the question, but, and there used to be a company there. I mean, they're still there uh, that had, when I moved there in 1989, had about 60,000 employees and has 2,000 employees now. And all of us used to go out, especially at holiday season, go to the store and buy their products, which were sold in little yellow boxes. I'm referring, of course, to Eastman Kodak. And Rochesterians have a pretty cynical sense of humor. We developed a comment called the, the Kodak Salute. The Kodak Salute involves taking one hand and sticking out your index finger, taking the other hand, sticking out their index finger, then crossing your arms in front of you. So you're pointing crosswise and it's not your responsibility, it's the guy next to you and whoever that may be. <laughs> so that's kind of what's happening here. We're fine, we're fine. Well, you're not fine because something's wrong. And uh, aside from getting somebody in to look at the steam, the first thing you can do, and it's a lot quicker, uh, is to uh, ask the following questions. This is happening in all of the sterilizers. If it's happening in all of the sterilizers, then it's a facility steam issue, which means that some there's a steam trap hiding somewhere in the, uh, in the line from the boiler to the sterilizer that hasn't been maintained, or two, or three, or four. That's one possibility. If it's only in one sterilizer and not others, you have to look at the delivery to the sterilizer from the steam header and then from the steam header into the sterilizer and the sterilizer itself. It's not necessarily the sterilizer's fault and not necessarily sterilizer maintenance's fault for not catching it, but you've got to focus on that one sterilizer and see what happened, what's wrong. And that is, uh, th those are the fun cases I get where it's like, well, it's only this one. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, you measure and you say, well, we've got 11% water in the steam. Why? And then you go and you look and, well, that steam trap hasn't been serviced. So it was put in in 1953. So uh, there are not always smoking guns in this case. There can also be death by a thousand cuts, a couple of breaks in the, in the insulation, uh, a steam trap that's not quite working right, but is working well enough to pass the, the, the quick test that I, I gave you folks before. Again, another side of that is uh, the vacuum pump. On the, if it's one sterilizer, it may be the vacuum system. And if the vacuum system is getting, I had a client who had uh, who was doing really well for a while, and then they were doing really badly. And it turned out the water being fed to the to the vacuum pump was at about 90 degrees F. And hmm. 90 degrees F and liquid ring pumps or, or water ejectors does not give you a whole lot of vacuum. So they had to put a chiller on it. And they did, and things got back to happy. I read this article the other day, and it said that you need good quality steam to help prevent wet packs. And the article went on to say that good quality steam can only be produced by total dissolved solids or mineral-free water, such as reverse osmosis or uh, deionized water. Now, is this accurate? It's two different things. 
if you're looking at the chemistry of the steam as it comes into the sterilizer, that's one thing. And that's where the cleaner, the better, as long as the sterilizer is made with stainless steel plumbing uh, so that the plumbing doesn't fall apart from being eaten up by the steam. Uh, if you were to use RO or DI water as your feed water in, in brass, copper, bronze plumbing, you're going to have holes developing in a reasonably short amount of time. Uh, you're also going to turn everything in the sterilizer green from copper oxide, and so that's no fun whatsoever. I did have a client who had overly softened water, and uh, they were feeding uh, the boilers, and they had local boilers, and they had uh, the uh, decontamination sink and the inside of the sterilizer, and the loads were coming out green from copper oxide because the overly softened water was, was pulling copper out of the plumbing. So we went to all plastic plumbing between the softener and the boilers and, uh, and the water. Uh, you, other points of use for water and things were fine after that. If you're looking at wetness, it's more physics than chemistry, physics and engineering. Things I've talked about before, using a, a sequence of uh, good trapping, good steam trapping along the line, and there are recommendations for that that are easily found on the web. Most of the steam trap manufacturers will tell you how many traps to use per 100 feet of piping and so on, which is one trap per 100 to 150 feet. I uh, put one at the bottom of any vertical run. Uh, this is all, you know, public domain knowledge. It's, there's no magic here. You can still get wet loads with really good water, but the, it'll be clean wet loads. You're getting back to it, though. The um, if you have a, a, a sequence of well-trapped feeds from the boiler to the sterilizer area, the area behind the sterilizers, if you're taking the steam off the top of the steam header, not the side, not the bottom, especially not the bottom. If you have steam traps at the bottom of the drops to the sterilizers and are taking the steam off from a sidearm configuration, which is a something which is a sketch I put in almost every report, so that the steam condensate will go to a drip leg and a steam trap below that. Uh, if you have steam filters and steam separators, not in that order, steam separator first, then steam filter, you should be well well protected against wet loads, as long as I said, you, as long as the vacuum system isn't running at 90 degrees, at which point all bets are off. Last question to wrap this up. Is there anything that you see frequently when working with different facilities that you wish folks would change? There's a, there's a lot of little stuff here. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I promise to keep the nerd quotient down, so I'm, I'm going to try to honor that. There's a question of terminology and understanding of what of the care and feeding of sterilizers. I'm working with a, a colleague on a big blog article about this, but uh, for the care and feeding of sterilizers, and um, you are what you eat. You know, that's an old saying, but it's true. And the sterilizers are the same way. One of the things is that the manufacturers of sterilizers provide a requirement for 97% pure steam uh, on the cut sheets. No one knows what that means. What it means is 97% vapor and no more than 3% water, liquid water in the vapor. This is also in Amy ST79 chapter and verse because it was copied from those same manufacturer's information cut sheets. And it's not explained there as to where you're supposed to measure this. 
if you look at the European standard for uh, for steam, large steam sterilizers, EN285, it says 95%, not 97. What do they know that we don't, or what are they doing wrong that we're not? Or Well, they're not. They're measuring in a different place. The measurements for the US standard for AMES-279 have to be made on the way into the sterilizer before it gets through the sterilizer plumbing. The Europeans' measurements are made on the way into the chamber, which is a very different situation. The issue with all of this is that since we don't validate the installations of our sterilizers and washers in the United States, uh, something that I'm hoping the, the upcoming or the currently in action revision of AMST 90 might lead us to, we don't know how, what we're doing. We don't test for these things. Nobody tests for, very rarely do people test steam before commissioning a sterilizer to make sure that it meets this requirement. I've had people actively cut it out of their budgets. This the steam is not tested, and it's not, and we're, we don't have good guidance as to where it should be tested in the plumbing. If you're trying to get steam going into the chamber at 97% steam, 3% water, that's quite a battle. I'll be very impressed if you get there. Um, I work with some pharmaceutical and medical device manufacturers. They can't do it, and they have engineers who spend their whole lives keeping the sterilizers happy. So it's uh, certainly not going to happen in an SPD where you have better things to do than sit there and twiddle with the sterilizers all day long. The other thing is that some of the manufacturers have really good instructions as to how to connect to the sterilizers, connect the steam to the sterilizers. I mentioned this earlier about the, the sketch that I provide in most of my reports, and some don't, uh, but people tend not to do this. They just get the steam fitter and say, do connect and uh, away you go. Well, away you go doesn't get you there. It doesn't get you to dry steam reliably because they, uh, they didn't follow the best practices that the sterilizer manufacturers have figured out and actually have published. So that's what drives me nuts when I, when I go into <laughs> facilities. Um, that said, many facilities are doing a really great job. Many facilities are keeping things under control and uh, dealing well with the situations that they're faced with. How do I know this? Because they don't call me. <laughs> uh, and, um, but seriously, they, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good in the 5,000 hospitals and what is it, 12,000 ASCs out there now. There's not enough though. We we should be we should be having these should be never events and and they're not, and that's good for me as somebody who goes and fix them. But on the other hand, it's really bad for the sterile processing manager who has to figure out how to take scarce resources and scarce hours and make them work to best effect to get to get the loads out in the condition that they would hope them to be. Well, Jonathan, that was a lot of. Great information. Thanks Thank for you, taking John. the time and sharing with us today. It is my pleasure. And um, if uh, my contact information is provided, I don't charge for phone calls. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, John. Well, that music can mean only one thing, and I'm sorry to say that we are out of time for today. Thank you, Jonathan, for sharing with us today. So if you have any questions, any water quality issues, 
steam quality issues, or any of the issues we discussed on the show, you can check out Jonathan and his company, Quality Processing Resource Groups, at qprgllc.com. Again, that's qprgllc.com. He would be happy to help point you in the right direction. HSPA episode number 94 is in the books. We're done for today, so thanks for sticking with me. Just so you know, each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. And as always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time.